Welcome back to Our Soul, a podcast by Faith Choice Ohio, Ohio's faith voice for choice. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Our Soul. Um, We are here again. It is November 1st, 2022. And uh, today, you know, what is on my mind, and Terry, I'm sure it's on your mind as well, um, thinking about voting. We are one week away from Election Day here in Ohio, and I think, you know, voting, um, it, it holds a weird spot for us. And I think we've talked about this before, and we've always said, like, oh, this is something that we can talk about in another episode or you know, it's something that could be an episode in itself. Well, this is the episode. <laughs> um, we are going to be talking about voting and how it's a, it's kind of a complicated space, you know, like on, on the one hand, uh, voting is really important. You know, if we don't, if we don't vote, we get even worse results than we're currently at. Um, but on the other hand, it's, it's hard to say like, just go vote because that it doesn't, encompass the the whole of the problem that a lot of people are facing and it can feel like a like a band-aid that somebody is trying to put over a problem but that's not going to be like the whole solution so I don't know um I'm I'm kind of thinking about this um last Thursday we had um our uh restorative and transformative justice uh training where we talked about you know kind of covering the whole of problems that happen in communities and like, how do we deal with that? Um, And, you know, a lot of what we talk about in there is about how the problem is bigger than just one solution, about how it takes conversations and it takes time and all of that. Um, And so I'm kind of on the, (laughs) when it comes to the, like, uh, the two sides of this kind of both and situation, I'm kind of on this, like, voting does not solve all of the problem. But on the other hand, a Band-Aid is better than nothing when it comes to, uh, you know, solving the the problems that we're facing. And, uh, you know, there's a lot to be done. And so taking one step is still, is still important in the whole process. But that's kind of like where I'm starting this episode at. Terry, I would love to hear, you're very involved with election day. So I'd love to hear about how you're feeling. Oh my goodness. So I I am very involved in Election Day. I have volunteered for quite a long while as a poll worker, and I'm currently um, serving in my county as a voting location manager for Election Day. So like poll workers across the state of Ohio, for those of you who aren't familiar with the process, get up bright and early and show up at polling locations at 5.30 in the morning, a whole hour before voting begins. And they stay literally the entire day. There's no shift work. There's no going in in the morning and going home in the afternoon. Like, they are there all the way until the polls close and after. Um, And I have participated in in that work for quite a while because both of my parents were very involved in, um, you know, local elections in terms of uh, electoral process and making sure that people had access to vote. And I feel voting's extraordinarily important. 
And at the same time, like, I'm an Appalachian, right? So, like, voting has not done a whole lot for us in a long, long while. We have been gerrymandered just like people of color throughout the state of Ohio um, in slightly different ways, but, like, the just like is in terms of outcomes. Our, our power has been diluted. Our voices have been um, essentially silenced through the gerrymandering we've experienced here in Ohio. And um, I kind of think about voting as taking a walk for your mental health and wellness, right? Like, it's something you do, but a walk is not going to fix things, right? Like, and telling somebody who is in the middle of, like, a, a mental wellness crisis, oh, just take a walk and you'll feel better, like, probably, probably not going to happen, right? Continually screaming at... Uh, minority communities, at marginalized communities, at communities that have been systemically disenfranchised, just continually screaming, vote, 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 as if that's going to somehow fix the overall issue, um, I think is painful. I, I do have to say, like, as a pastor and as um, a person here with Faith Choice Ohio that is a 501c3 organization, we are a 501c3. We do not endorse candidates. We do not tell people how to vote. We don't tell people what party to vote in. Obviously, we all have our personal, um, you know, partisan or nonpartisan beliefs, however we, we articulate that. But here in this space, we are about making sure everybody has access to information to vote, and particularly that people know what the issues are. Um, that are most important to them because issues are not partisan. Like it, it should not be a partisan issue to expect people to respect other folks' bodily autonomy. It should not be a partisan issue to say we do not want to force people to have birth in the state of Ohio. So like when we talk about voting, we're always going to talk about our issues, right? Because voting is deeply connected to our issues. But at the same time, candidates are not perfect, Sometimes the options you have in a given race aren't even aren't even halfway decent between multiple candidates. I mean, I've heard a lot of folks very dissatisfied with a lot of the racism uh, that we've heard from candidates, a lot of particularly the anti-Asian sentiment that we've heard from both candidates in our our uh, state Senate, or well, not state Senate, our our state's federal Senate race. I have to be very careful how I say that, right? Um, you know, we've, we've got problems all over the place with folks, and yet on the 8th of November, we're all going to, if we haven't voted already, we're all going to go in and cast a ballot and make the best decisions we can. Um, I think it's wonderful in the state of Ohio that the election doesn't start on November 8th, it ends on November 8th, right? We start the election on the 11th, 12th of October, right? We, we started early voting, um, I have already voted. I, I voted like second week that I was able to vote. Um, and I think it's I think it's really important for us to think about voting as a discipline and a practice, right? It's not a one-time thing. It's something that you're going to regularly participate in and you should regularly make a part of your your access plan, right? Um, you should vote on, midterm years. You should vote on presidential election years. You should vote on uh, non-midterm years. You should vote in primaries. You should vote in local special elections. 
any time that you are able to cast a ballot, you should go cast a ballot. Even if that ballot says, I don't like either of the choices and I'm going to leave them both blank. Cast a ballot. It, it gets recorded, right? It gets recorded as an undervote. It gives, you know, nerdy people like me something to look at on election night and go, ah, ah, look, this is, you know, the opinion of the electorate, right? Um, I, I, I just think the electoral system that we have is so essential and it is so just revolutionary in terms of its simplicity. It's also very fragile, right? And I, I, I would be interested for us to, to talk a little more about the, the fragility of our system. We've done a little bit of work with the Fair Courts Alliance, with organizations um, like Common Cause Ohio, Equality Ohio, ACLU of Ohio, talking about the essential nature of electoral fairness, right? We know that our state is gerrymandered horrendously. Gerrymandering just means the the dilution of political power for partisan political gain, right? And our, our state has been gerrymandered by both political parties over our more than 200-year history. Um, political parties do this if they are not held accountable. Uh, we tried to hold them accountable through multiple state uh, constitutional amendments, 2015 and 2018, and ultimately, our state leaders chose to draw unconstitutional maps. And they are so bad and they are so horrendous that they have been ruled unconstitutional by our state Supreme Court that is controlled by the majority party that, that produced these maps. But we are still using them for this election because that is how screwed up our democracy is right now. Um, and again, Fair Courts Alliance uh, really emphasizes how important it is that our Supreme Court stays, um, you know, a, a modicum of, of judicial integrity, um, that they're able to be that arbiter of fairness. But it's really essential that all of these elements work together to create the fairness that we seek. Because if we don't get fair maps... Nothing else in the electoral position really matters. Like, voting will go from um, not a fix-it-all situation to not fixing anything, right? Not having any representation, any ability to, to uh, represent the people. And I'm, I'm interested, Kelly, in, in your um, perspective, in your uh, community, in your experience of voting— you know, what, what is it like to go vote when you know that you're voting in a gerrymandered election with unconstitutional maps that are specifically designed to keep people like you, that is, you know, people of color and people who live in, you know, more uh, progressive cities, specifically designed to keep you from having a voice and having power? Yeah, um, I... You know, when talking about like gerrymandering and not getting the voice of people who are directly affected by things, I really think about how, um, you know, I moved a couple years ago. Um, I still live in the Columbus area, about 10 minutes away from where I used to live. And um, uh, I used to live near Franklinton, um, which is one of the most, I don't like using the word poor. It feels like not person first language. And like the actual issue there is not that like the people are not, you know, financially sound or something like that. It's more that 
the city does not support or care for those people in the ways that they need it, you know? Um, and anyway, regardless, I used to live over near Franklinton. And uh, when I lived there, uh, I was excited about voting for the mayor. Uh, but when I went to the, um, went to my local, uh, election location, which oddly enough, I think is the other side of the school that I still vote in. <laughs> um, when I went there, the mayor was not on my ballot and that I thought, oh, that's weird because I literally live in Columbus. Like my address was like Columbus, Ohio. Now, um, I live a little bit farther away, um, like 10 minutes away. I live just barely inside, um, the outer belt. Uh, and, uh, farther away from the, the city of Columbus, like downtown or whatever like that. Um, I technically have a different city as my, um, address on my address. It is a different city name. However, the last time that I went to vote, I did have city council on there, which is interesting to me that I, in an area that is closer to downtown, that is likely more affected by city council decisions um, and like the mayor, uh, did not have the ability to vote for my city council in that area. And that is just kind of bizarre to me. And now, um, you know, when thinking about like, I, I think a lot about how how much fighting was going into like uh, fighting um, on the side of people who wanted fair maps going into getting not gerrymandered maps, fighting for that, putting it in the courts. Get, like we know that they're bad and time and time again, we talked about this earlier this year. Uh, they came back with just bad maps, still continuously bad maps committed to not letting everybody's voice be heard. And it's frustrating to me. You know, I think about like, uh, you know, you were talking about voting being a practice, right? And um, when you said that, I thought about like meditating. You know, uh, people will say that like, you know, spend time in quiet, um, meditate, taking time to breathe, like it's really helpful for managing stress. However, uh, like me meditating, <laughs> does not make the stress go away. Like it does, it does help to center and to ground myself in the moment that I'm in. Um, and I kind of feel the same way about voting. Like it feels good to uh, make my voice known and to say how, what I support and what I don't support and being able to participate in um, local government is like good to me. However, in the same way that when I come out of meditation to, you know, maybe I check my email, there's like five emails in there. Like that does not, it doesn't keep me from being stressed. It helps in the moment. It's nice to have those, those moments of like when we can win, when we win, that feels so good to see even because we're so gerrymandered, like even seeing like significant, uh, you know, competition is uh, exciting to me. Um, and seeing things be a close race uh, kind of gives me hope. Um, but then also at the same time, you come out of that and you still live, you know, still live in a place that 
like has tried to threaten access to bodily autonomy still lives in a place that uh, is largely racist and uh, largely against people who look like me. Um, and it's hard, you know, it's hard uh, to come out of those moments. I wish I could meditate forever, but alas, that is not real life. And in the same way, I wish that like we could live in the, the high of, of moments um, where we feel like our voices are being heard. But alas, um, as it currently is, uh, the powers that be often keep us from, um, from actually being heard, and that hurts. Um, as well, also, as somebody who's worked in social justice uh, organizations for several years now, uh, elections are kind of terrifying because I know that lame duck is coming and the, the people who, <laughs> who, uh, either got elected or didn't get elected for their next term just tend to go crazy in that time and usually not in a good way. Um, so that's kind of like all of my, all of my feelings around elections and I don't know, I have, it's a, it's a mixed bag. Like I, yeah, I have not voted yet, but I will. I intend to vote. Um, and it's, it's, it's a mixed feeling around that. So I, I have a motion to amend lame duck as the model and call it the hungry hippopotamus. Because <laughs> lame, lame, right, lame duck, lame duck just sounds like this little benign, like poor little creature. No, that like... The session after the election, for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, it's it's after an election, but before the installation of a new legislature, where the old legislature can do whatever they want, and frankly, they try to push through things because it's right after the election, and it's maximum length between that point and the next election. And they hope that people are dumb enough that people forget what they do. And they do horrible things. It is all part of the structure that is designed, like you were saying, Kelly, to keep people from having a voice. Like, this is not the flaw. This is the feature to authoritarian faux democracy, right? The idea that, um, you know, our elected leaders are going to try to get by with just as much as they can, as quick as they can, with as little impact on their job security as they can, that's how this is designed. The system is designed to be confusing. The system is designed to be opaque. The system is designed to be so complicated that people aren't able to use it well. And when they do try to use it, they end up not being able to access all of the features that are supposed to be available to them, mm -hmm. right? The constantly changing boundaries, the the gerrymandered precinct splits, right? You talk about having, you know, multiple precincts voting in one precinct voting location, right? My parents' home county has more than 20 precincts, but they have four precinct voting locations for the entire county. They have condensed them during COVID to just the high schools, the four high schools in this rural county. This county has like 17,000 people, right? Um, probably 12,000 voters, right? They have been able to reduce this to where my parents used to be able to go like two miles down the road to the next little village 
down the road to the Omega Township House and vote. Now they mm-hmm. have to go eight and a half miles in town to be able to cast a ballot. There are some people in the region where they live who went from having a two to three mile drive to get to their polling location to having a 15 mile drive to get to the polls. And Mm -hmm. when you have a system where, you know, people might not know that they're eligible to get a ballot in the mail, they might not have reliable mail service in ultra rural spaces. Um, You know, there are lots of obstacles to voting in those spaces. All over the state, those stories are that way. Not just in rural Ohio, but you think about, you know, people in more urban settings, Columbus, Cleveland, Cincinnati, people who are moving on a regular basis, who don't Mm -hmm. have proper documentation, and folk are trying to make it in the state legislature even more difficult for people to vote. They're trying to require photo ID for voting. More identification than what a person needs to you know, like purchase a car, right? All of these things are the system that is trying to just wear the voters out so that the voters Mm -hmm. let the ruling class do what the ruling class wants. Mm -hmm. And that's not democracy, right? I mean, we we really have a a situation where, I I was talking with a couple of of younger people in my congregation um, two years ago during the presidential election, and they said, you know, when, when we become eligible, we're just not going to vote. And, of course, that breaks my heart because, you know, I'm a mamby-pamby, you know, white Appalachian <laughs> liberal. And, like, yeah. just, oh, how could you not vote, right? Like, my, my grandmother consistently reminded us, like, she was born in 1912, and she went with her mother the first time her mother got to cast a ballot in the state of Ohio because women could not vote when my grandmother was born, right? So, like... When these kids are sitting here in my congregation two years ago telling me, ah, when we, when we get to be old enough, they're like 16 now, you know, ah, when we get to be old enough, we're not going to vote. I said, well, why? And one looks at me and says, you know, the person who won the popular vote two times out of five in the last five presidential elections, they didn't get to be president. So how do we live in a democracy when the person who gets the most votes doesn't win? Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, True. you have a very good point. <laughs> like, I just <laughs> can't even uh, blame you. Yeah, like I, I understand. Like better luck next time. I don't like it's mm-hmm. it's hard. Like I, I, I wanted to look and be like, hey, you know, I voted in those elections, and yeah, it was it was rough. Like uh-huh. you know, um, but trying to convey that. Voting is one part of the larger system, right? I'm not just voting and going home, right? I am voting and then I'm attending literally every city council meeting I can, right? I I just today attended a city council committee meeting. We actually put off recording um, you know, this podcast <laughs> for about an yeah. hour because because we had a city council committee meeting that um, folk were making some some rather frustrating decisions about public safety, and there's a, you know a proposition concerning homeless people that I was very interested in. Um, that the committee decided to just have a random meeting at 4:30 in the afternoon on a Tuesday, when the vast majority of people aren't able to make it. And I fortunately was able to move my schedule around so that I could show up. And look at my elected officials as they took action on things that mattered to me. And 
that's as important as showing up to vote. Um, being able to mobilize your community around your issues is as important as showing up to vote. Voting, voting is one step, but like, there are a lot of other steps in the staircase. Yeah. A lot of other yeah. steps and places. So when we talk about our concern and our issues here in this space around reproductive health rights and justice, around health equity, around the intersectionality of repro issues with LGBTQ justice, with racial justice, with socioeconomic justice, all of these elements work in concert in the government that we make sure is accountable to the people. And yeah. we make sure the government is accountable to the people through voting and all these other things, organizing, making sure that our, our communities are, are flexed and, and ready to go in terms of their local power and their mutual aid. And I think like, uh, you know, voting can be hard and can feel hard and like sucks. And I think a lot, you know, I was talking about doing this uh, RTJ training last, last week. And uh, I think a lot about like how, uh, you know, when I talk to people about transformative justice, I have to talk about it like we live within this system that is not transformative justice. We live within a punitive justice system that continues to put people in jail for like basically criminalizing uh, not being rich, <laughs> criminalizing the fact that you haven't been supported by your government. Um, and uh, you know, a lot of questions that people have are like transformative justice feels big and broad and hard. How do I do that in the context of the place that I live in and the, the world that I live in? And I think, you know, part of that is taking those steps. Like we don't get to a place where we can have where we can get rid of the electoral college or that we can um, have access to bodily autonomy Um ingrained into our law we don't get there um without voting for people who will do that because we lived in this flaw in this flawed system like that is how we move forward that's how we get to something better is by voting for the people who will do that and you know i i think about like as i plan to probably vote this weekend um in in 2020 i I think it was yeah 2020 um i went to vote early and there was like a line that wrapped around the whole back of the building and then it went back and forth you know you're talking about like urban um like issues with voting like i think about like how many people have to be in one location and how crazy that is um and i also think about like how people will uh, you know similar to how the, a reason that somebody wouldn't want to go to a clinic for their abortion um, is because they'd have to face protesters. Some people don't want to have to vote in person because they'd have to face people showing you these disgusting images that they connect with abortion, which is not that. Um, and so, you know, that is hard and that is uh, what we have to go against. But without me going there and ignoring those people who the anti-abortion people the forced birthers <laughs> who are in my face um and standing through a line for like probably two hours um which it might not be that bad it just was that bad in 2020 it's probably better hopefully um but without me doing that we 
don't get to the better vision of Ohio that I'm picturing because I'm not voting. Um, so that's kind of that's kind of my my last thought on it's it's hard. It's not it can feel like it's not worth it, but if we don't do anything, we can't expect for things to get better. And voting is definitely a significant um, way that we can be a part of making things better. Absolutely. And as we close out our time together, just a reminder, friends, um, go vote. If you're hearing this before the November 8th election, go vote in the November 8th election. And if you're hearing this after the November 8th election in 2022, remember the primary is just coming up in a few months in May 2nd, 2023, because there's always another election to look forward to in this, the never ending electoral democracy. Thanks friends. We really appreciate you being with us for another week and we will see you back here in two weeks. Thank you for listening to this episode of Our Soul. If you'd like to hear more of our conversations on religion, abortion access, and all things Repro, you can find all our episodes on Podbean, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. For more content, training, and other information, check us out at faithchoiceohio.org.